Today, I'm talking to Jacob Watkins, broker and partner owner of Corcoran Reverie. He sells and is a top luxury real estate agent on 30A from Destin to Panama City, Florida. Before real estate, Jacob was a financial consultant with Ernst & Young in Atlanta, Georgia. In 2013, he moved to 30A. In late 2015, he began his real estate career with a small boutique firm out of Miramar Beach. Launching his career as a real estate agent, he was not only leaving a great career he had already established, he had a family to support. A lot was at stake. Jacob could not afford to miss the mark on this decision. He hit the ground running with a plan for creating inventory, and he succeeded. Early on, he was a top three agent in his market, and today he is the broker owner of a top luxury brokerage in his market. Jacob and I talk about how to become a record-breaking agent overnight. Thanks for listening to the Jerry Metcalf podcast, where top real estate agents tell how they do it. This podcast was created for real estate agents across the country to come together, sharing ideas to take your, their, and our business to the next level. All right, everybody, it's the Jerry Metcalf podcast. And today we have on the show, Jacob Watkins, a top agent on 30A, I should say 30A, it's you're across the panhandle of Florida and one of the broker owners of Corcoran Reverie. Welcome. Thank you, thank you, thank you, glad to be here. So correct me anywhere on there about who you are, because I think you were trying to say something when I was introducing you. No, that's right. I was just joining in the okay. meeting. Yeah, you nailed it. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining. We had your partner um, and also broker owner of Sotheby's Hillary on the show, Hillary, Harnum, Hillary Farnham-Fost. And now we've got you to get a completely different. I know you guys are almost like the yin and yang um, and how you come together. So I can't wait to hear. Yes. So tell us. Yeah, I mean, you've been number one, top three agents in, in, in on, on 30A in certain markets of 30A, I think, for years. Or just tell us a little bit about your history and why you got into business, and we'll go from there, and the real estate yeah, business. I moved down to the market from Atlanta uh, via Auburn in 2012 um, in a different business, doing uh, focusing around concierge, vacation rental, short-term rental type work. I uh, got into the business in 2015. Uh, mostly via the construction development side, um, doing some small new construction homes, renovations, things like that. That uh, caveated into more traditional sales with a boutique firm in the area. As that grew pretty quick, was in planning, you know, what the next step was. I ended up purchasing 38 Realty in 2017, and 38 Realty owned by two individuals that started the company in 1990. They're one of the two oldest firms on the 30, in the 30 market, Bennett Seagrove. Um, since then, the founders have been selling in 38 since the mid 80s. Uh, so really in touch with the market, the history, they're still with us today, which is awesome. Um, and then in 2020, Hillary and I, Hillary owned a, a small boutique luxury brokerage, Hillary and Reverie. And we combined forces in 2020 amidst COVID and launched under the Corcoran brand. Um, launched with about 75 agents and today we've grown to about 150 agents and have offices few and three offices across 38 office in Destin as well as in Panama City uh, so we serve a pretty wide area uh, and it's been a fantastic partnership it's been great 
Okay, so that's in seven years, you've transitioned businesses, yeah. you've become a top agent, you've invested in a firm, you've partnered with another top agent, and now you're a top brokerage and a top agent on 30A. Yeah. Okay, we say, like, you don't let any grass grow under your feet ever. No. I mean, that's insane. And before that, you were with, I think you were with Ernst & Young, and that's where yeah. you, a lot of, you brought a lot to it. So give us like, so you went to Auburn, Obviously, right. so you go to Auburn, you graduate from Auburn, and then did, was it Ernst & Young right away, or like, what was the? Yeah, yeah, so well, at Auburn, I was student body president, so that was a huge jumping board for me. Um, so, I mean, I was a pretty good student, AB student, college business, um, but being more involved in the student life at Auburn and then being student body president really created relationships that really have changed my business even to today, honestly. Um, Went directly to grad school, got my MBA, and then yeah, joined EY in the consulting side, worked on the software technology accounting world. Um, as just kind of like a junior analyst and definitely always had an entrepreneurial spirit. So as great as it was working as an analyst, I was quickly looking for what the next step was to kind of control my destiny more. So you went from this corporate analyst CPA world to now you divert into real estate agent, which is kind of like the wild, wild west compared to any yeah. business, but especially so Ernst & Young. Yeah, it's very different. And, you know, like partners I worked for there, I, I still am connected with a few of them. And it's, you know, they've been there forever. They're obviously extremely successful, have big teams, and it's, it's uh, fun to connect and compare how different worlds look if I would have stayed there versus where I am now. What would that and what would that be? What do you think the difference would be? Well, I mean, like control of your life, control of your lifestyle, um, family time, where you are as much. I mean, I work 24 seven, no doubt, but I definitely control when I see my kids. Um, I'm my own boss. I have a great team. Uh, yeah. IDY, you know, it's a little different. It's a corporate structure and you have shareholders, partners to report to. Um, so you're, you know, it's a little less flexible, I guess I would say. Here's something that comes to mind though. So everybody, you know, I said, what's your secret sauce? For you and for everybody, there are two things that come to mind for our listeners. Number one is when you're transitioning from one business to another, how do you do it and what it's like? Yeah. And number two, coming from such a disciplined, regimented world, you come into a much less regimented world, but there's this quote that keeps coming in my life, discipline equals freedom. What did you take from that world that you think contributed to your success and what in the transition was challenging and did you have to kind of relearn and readjust to? Yes, I mean, I think and this is what we preach to our agents as well. I mean, you have to have a regimen, you have to have discipline, you have to set up your days, um, you have to have a cadence for your week. And so a lot of those things I learned in business school and then at EY, uh, I'm able to apply a ton of that to what we do every day and how we train our agents and how you are successful and what your weeks look like. And if you, float out there as a broker agent, your sales and your success is going to float around. You may have some great years, but it's not going to be a long-term successful play. Um, and so, you know, that's how I try to work with our agents is, yes, you can let your business float around and you may have some, hit some gold every once in a while, but if you want to be in this business for a long-term, uh, you've got to apply a lot of what I learned at EY to my day today, even though I'm not, you know, nobody's watching on my back. Yeah. So I love it. It's like you can either have your cadence and find that rhythm or you could just float. 
Maybe you'll yeah, go into something. Culture. I mean, it's focused. We do both, you know, and there's, yeah. again, successes in both, but I think long-term success is only found in some, uh, some amount of regimen. So for you personally, when you came out of, when you came out of Ernst & Young and you got into real estate, like go back to like you then and going through that transition, what was the experience? What were your big, what was great? What were your ahas? What were the struggles? What was it like? Yeah, I, I often say like I was blissfully naive because I was 25, you know, or whatever. So I was pretty young because I didn't really, I didn't know what I didn't know, which was probably a good thing. It might have been a little more scary if I had known, um, yeah. for sure. But, you know, I think I just took from when I, when I kind of, I used to say, because it's true, when you're a consultant and you're working at UI and you go to a client site, consultants are stuck in the closet that's where they're put to work they don't have offices so i said you know when i stepped out of the closet and my head was at a laptop and i realized you can create successes through relationships versus tasks i really took that to heart and throughout our first business we started down here it's what we're doing now it's all about relationships we focus on how do we make other people money how do i make other people successful and that automatically turns around and brings us success um so I took, you know, took it away quickly that you can work for somebody else or you can still work for somebody else, but work for yourself. Um, like that's kind of how I play that day. Because people say, oh, you work for yourself. It's great. You, know, you can do what you want every day. It's obviously not true. We, we work for our clients every day. We work for our investors every day. Um, but you learn how to do it better and you learn how to do it the way you want to. You have more control over it. As long as you're good at it, you know, they, they'll give you some freedom on there. Well, it's funny how when you can do it the way you want to and you're focused on doing it better, you do it better. Exactly. Yeah. And obviously, like, when you got a bigger stake in the game, there's more money to be made. There's uh, obviously that drives. I mean, I would say I probably work as hard as I did at EY as I do today because that's just my personality. But a lot bigger stakes, um, a lot bigger opportunities for my family, for myself because of where I am today. But the work ethic can't really change you being different. No, and sometimes I think it's it's more, and it's more fun. Yeah. It is way more fun. There's no doubt in that. Way more fun. So, what was your like to say like to be a successful agent when you came in? I mean, I love like not to beat on it, but it's, I think it's very relevant words you use like cadence versus float. I think some people get in and they think they're just just floating is what it is, and you just kind of float, and the money just keeps hitting you. Yeah, and you came from a different world what what was what was your biggest like this is what i think it's going to be and this is what it is or was it what you thought it would be what were your lessons what'd you learn so i mean i it, again i was a little bit blissful down here. i didn't really realize how yeah. cutthroat and tough it really is but i, I did quickly realize you got to create a niche you got to make what's your secret sauce what makes you special um i Fortunately, love design, construction, creative. I'm a super left brain analytical guy, but I have this little bit of design creativity. Maybe growing up watching Flip or Flop or whatever, I don't know. Um, but I, I wanted to create that niche of what was my own. So I knew when coming into the real estate world, hey, if you want to be successful and how do you make money, how do you differentiate yourself? So my path was via development, construction, renovation. So I had this play where I was going to build a bunch of homes in a really high visibility area, stick some, many signs of that could across 30A and 
create a splash really quickly that way to create my competitive advantage. And fortunately it worked. The timing was perfect. Uh, I went from most of the top agents here not knowing who I was to some dude called me and said, dude, I, what, what, where did all these signs come from? Like whose properties are these? And I, you know, took a different approach where I put a bunch of investors together, bought a bunch of properties and used that as a launching bar for sales and brokerage as well as on the development side. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. And I think that's where you took what you did with Ernst and Young and yeah. immediately it's like, look at so many people think, okay, that's gone. And okay, now I got to start all over and do something else. And you did anything but that. Yeah. yeah. And I used essentially all of the tools and analytics and investment analysis that we use in our role as financial analysts, converted that to the real estate construction world. You know, got some guys who believed and trusted in me and in the market and that really kind of springboarded everything. So question, because I think about is a real estate agent was, by the way, but is it is we were talking about that earlier, but coming into that, you're doing investments because I think a lot of real estate agents love this, but you took what you did at Ernst & Young advising people and being a consultant and being numbers driven and CPA and all of that good stuff. How did you, were, was it, did you ever have a moment where you were like, okay, am I getting this right? Or did you know you were getting this right? Because you're asking other people now personally to put their money in something, invest and your whole career. I mean, that's a bit kind of a risk. Did it feel like a risk or in your world, what yeah. were the risks? What were the wins? What were the, how did you decide what to do and how to go about it? How did you know? Well, you know, as a college kid, I was in college during the recession, you know, so a lot of what we learned in school was really focused around that. So obviously, like, very nervous, ton of risks going on. But I mean, I just kind of went back to the basics of this is what the numbers say, this is what the analysts look like, this is what we can do. Um, it's just rebound. We had a lot of safety nets, you know, we're in a short term rental market where our safety was we can run it if we can't sell it, still kind of our focus on what we do. So, um, there was safety nets built into the investment model. Um, but again, I knew that I wasn't going to come into the market and have everybody trust me with their listings. So I had to create my own portfolio of listings in order to build both the development business and a real estate sales business. And so it was, you know, I left UI and I didn't really have an option to do anything else. So this was the way to make it happen. So I was, you know, focused on making it happen. Well, something you just said too, is sometimes having the biggest limitations, but that literally like laid out your opportunity yeah. for you it, to do yeah, that. And like really good mentors and partners along the way as well. You know, so that was obviously a big play and um, I'm very observant. So I'm not what I do and what most like, agents and brokers do. We don't, we're not the founders of real estate sales or the founders of development, right? Like it's been going on a long time, but if you right. observe what successful people are doing in different types of businesses, and you implement that or make it even better or take little bits of pieces from everybody and create your own strategy from it, there's something to say there's success there. You know, there's obviously risk along the way, but nothing I do or have done is mind blowing. You know, it's just a lot of hard work, learning from others, being observant of the market and what other successes are, and then putting a strategy together to implement that for yourself. Um, so, you know, I still do that today. You know, try to learn from everybody around me. So strategy number one was, just to repeat what you said, well, there's a few things I want to repeat for everybody. Number one, find your cadence. Discipline equals freedom. Don't float. Yeah. I mean, you can, but that's not really the greatest strategy and have a strategy. You came yeah. to the business and you looked at your situation. You said, okay, I need to make money now and fast. And I've got a skill set that I can bring forward into this industry. And right. in doing that, 
you came up with a strategy and a plan for investors and you're the actually when everybody said it was a terrible time it was a great time because the market was just coming back so you bring investors together that gives you a portfolio immediately and then you sell real estate and you're sure. in and All here right. you go that, like there you go back to number one you don't let grass go under your feet now number two carrying that forward when you look at strategies, what have you learned throughout the business? Because you've grown quickly. And how do you strategize? What is it? Do you have a formula? Or when you see something, what are the parts that you look at? How Do you go 50,000 feet high? Or give us what that looks like for you and how you do it. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty in the weeds every day. Um, and obviously, as the market changes, strategy changes. But right now, inventory is king. So I'm focused on inventory creation. So whether that's through construction, redevelopment, new listings, um, and we're able to, we've been able to grow our brokerage because we are providing inventory to our agents. Um, this market, as great as small boutiques are, we've learned that it's very hard in a market inventory. So my role and my partnership and what I do, both on the development side as well as on our brokerage side is create inventory. So go get listings, go build houses, go do renovations. Um, and I think if you can, even in a good market, if you focus on that, it's sustainable. If I can always be creating inventory, both on the development and the listing side and the sell side, there's always money to be made for both me and the rest of our team. I love that. So literally, I just asked you the question and there's this, I think it's Jordan Peterson or somebody talks about or a lot of people. When you say priority, it's really came from the singular word. And you yeah. had one priority. It was one. It was very simple. Inventory creation. The strategy from day one has been inventory creation. So in a market now where we literally like, it's like if I look at the realtor or Zillow or whatever app shows homes for sale, it's like, uh, like the other day, just for fun, I was looking and I was like, oh, maybe I forgot to put the active on the, like the filter. Okay. No, no, no. Yeah. These are the, like, cause everything was pending. I was like, no, no, no. I'm not looking for pendings. I want to see what that's active. No, they're pending. So in know, this like, market, yeah. Yeah, we, I mean, we say now that MLS and Zillow are almost irrelevant. I mean, 50% of our deals are sold in the office. The, another 25% are sold off market, broker to broker. I mean, it is, um, it's interesting. It's truly different than we've ever seen. And when you, in, in knowing that, what are, what would you say? Are there any elements? Obviously, the relationships, obviously being in front of the deals before they ever get here, like before they're even built. Yeah. But what are some other, is there like, this is what you need to know, the three things you need to keep your eye on to keep to keep on top of this inventory creation and awareness? Well, I mean, I think relationships, number one. I mean, relationships yeah. give me the opportunity to have new listings, to know about deals before other people know about deals, to find construction opportunities, to find development opportunities. So, I mean, being connected, being involved in the community and then relationships from that, obviously, number one. Um, and then number two is know your numbers, really, you know, I can quickly see a deal and know that it works or it doesn't work. Um, I am a numbers guy, like I'm a spreadsheet guru, Excel nerd, whatever. So it comes a little easier to me, but I do tell agents, even in the most basic form, you gotta know your numbers. So you can quickly react, especially in today's market, you can quickly react to an opportunity because if it's a good opportunity, it ain't gonna last very long. So you need to know that it's a good opportunity so that you can move, um, so you know, I'm diving deep in our market every night at home after my kids go to sleep. I am have a team that's scrounging for opportunities and deals and vacant land opportunities and redevelopment opportunities. 
pretty much every day. Um, and it's just being in front, you know, being, being front of mind, forefront. I have a pretty interesting example. I have the guy that does inspections for us, knows that we do construction renovation, called me and said, hey, I have a friend who I had to do an inspection for, and she's in her head and wants to sell her house because it needs to be renovated. You know, it came from the inspector. Never would have anticipated that. But making sure people in the market and the community know what I do. I don't just sell real estate. So that brings in more opportunities for additional types of businesses. So a couple of things in there, but you were talking about relationships, know your numbers. And, and in that, combining your relationships and knowing your numbers creates opportunities. Yeah, and number sure. one, every relationship. A lot of times people like to label things like this is where this comes from. This is who these people are. But you're, yeah. especially in real estate, like the opportunities and the deals always come from where you least expect or often if you open yeah. your eyes and look at them. And, and it's even more in our community because it's a it's a small small tight knit community. So you know, there's not pockets of friends or geo. You know, there's demographics. I mean, my friends are much older than me and much younger than me. So because it's so small, uh, so yeah, it comes in every uh, kind of form and fashion. Yeah. And you talked about so relationships and knowing your knowing your stuff, knowing your numbers. So yeah. what is your biggest? So for example, there's a thousand. There's like in some markets there are more real estate agents than homes that sell. I think in Aspen, for example, there may be in 38 or in this one. But how do you how do you make sure that knowing your numbers and having your relationships, what is the how do you what is the activity or how do you make sure you get traction and formulate that into a deal? And that's advice for people who are looking at doing bigger, better deals or people who've never done a deal. Yeah, I mean, I think again it's knowing being educated, knowing your stuff focusing on making your clients money. So whether I'm getting them in with great equity on the front end, whether I'm teaching them how to find a renovation opportunity, whether I'm doing that myself, um, you know, creating value on the front end, buy right, right? Create equity on the front side. Um, it leads to great reviews from your customers, really happy investors, really happy customers, and ultimately a lot more money for yourself and your, again, for your clients. And that's, you know, that's what everybody's focused on, right? It's their biggest asset they're purchasing, whether it really is an investment or not an investment. They want to feel good that they have a lot of equity in that property. Um, and so if you're just selling something to sell something, A, you don't know what you're selling is problem one. B, you don't know if you're really getting your client the right deal. Um, it, it will bite you in the butt eventually. You know, it's it going to come back yeah. around. You're just a sales guy or you're, and there's nothing wrong with being a sales guy, but you're just, you don't really know the market. You don't know what you're doing. And there are times where I tell a client, hey, this is way overpriced. I don't think you're going to be in a tight spot. You're, and they say, oh, I don't care. This is the house I want. That's great. You know, but having those conversations with your clients and making sure they're educated is super important. Making sure they know what they're buying. And, and yeah. to reiterate what you said, the demand is there. Yeah, but understand what the demand is and what people want. And making sure you, because it, as real estate agents, the reason why Zillow never took over or whoever is because we are the context, we are the information. We are, sure. you can't look at a piece of real estate and understand it at the level that you can when you're a real estate agent and you understand deals and you have the relationship and understand the client. Sure. And then you're able to put it, but the demand is always there. It's just a matter of helping that come together with that. That's a good point. Yeah, right? I love that. Yeah. So I would like the word that kept when I was listening, it was like demand. It's like understanding the demand. You have to know the market, understand what the demand is. 
and you yeah. cultivate the deal. Understand the product for sure. So we're a quick interview today because the market is so crazy, but I'm going to ask you the final three questions, which you don't know because I didn't tell you what they were, but don't worry, they're not hard. So That's final fair. three, number one is in your, in your years of success, is there a tool or a resource that you have found has most contributed to your success as a real estate agent? Or what would you say it is? I mean, I think that's a tough one. Uh, I mean, just education in general, you know, again, what I've had in my back pocket, knowing the market, knowing the opportunities, being on the forefront, um, and then, you know, making everyone in the community able to do. So I'm, I'm one of the first five calls they're making, you know, so that has been a, my ability to connect in the community and the education that I have and what I know about the market has been the tools that have probably brought the opportunities to me, if that makes sense. A question on that, and then I'll do the final two now. But first, I love because you you really know the market, you really understand the numbers, and you really have experience that so many people don't and be able to advise, consult, predict, and serve. What has been the, what would you say, I mean, you only have your experience as an agent, but in your feedback, what has, how much of a differentiator do your clients seem to say to you that is? Like, what is your experience as an agent? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it, not only for myself, but even our other top agents in our office, the amount of misinformation out there and the amount of agents that don't know the market, that don't understand what they're selling, that don't know the process, that don't know the investment side. Um, I would say most of my clients have worked with more of those types of agents than agents that do know. Even yeah, you know, they're coming here for a second home, back home. They've never worked with an agent that understands those things. Uh, so they are quick to point out that there's something different about what Hillary and I are providing them. Um, we truly treat our business like we are investment advisors. You know, we obviously are great real estate salespeople, but we truly treat every relationship and whether they're buying a personal home or they're buying an investment home or they're buying a short-term rental, that it really is an asset in their portfolio. And whether that's talking about how you leverage to buy it, how you raise funds to do a construction project, how you build a full development out, like focusing on that is something that very few agents have taken the time to learn because it's, it's complicated and it's daunting and it's hard. Um, and you got to spend time learning things outside of the properties itself. Um, so, I mean, I get that feedback all the time from customers that are like, wow, your spreadsheet's amazing. I didn't think of all these like numbers that I should have considered when I was buying something or whatever. I mean, how awesome. And like, think about what that does for your business. And something you just said, most agents don't do it because it's complicating, daunting and hard, but it's also complicated, daunting and hard to have clients to not be able to give your clients what they're paying you for. What's your advice yeah, to totally. agent? What, how do you, so for agents who can't, or may, I guess we can all go back to college or maybe we can't, or we can get a job at, well, we can't really necessarily get a job at Ernst & Young, but how do you, what is the best way to get that kind of insight and get that kind of education? Because clearly you're not gonna do it getting your real estate license. Yeah, I mean, it's a mentor. I think finding a great mentor who's been successful or putting yourself around other successful people and observing what they're doing is probably the easiest and number one way to do it. Um, but then there's so many tools. I mean, your lo our local MLS has so much data behind it. Um, I'm constantly yeah. talking to builders in our market, 
saying, you know, what's going on in the construction world? I'm constantly talking to other business owners in our market that may supply windows or supply doors. And, you know, what pressures are you seeing? How can I, you know, learn what's going on in your business and how does that affect my business? And again, it goes back to being involved in the community. I'm at every event on 38. You're not going to go to an event you don't see me at. But I, at those events, they're fun. I love them. It's, I love having a good time. But I'm always connecting and learning more about somebody else's business and their life and what they're doing. And how does that affect the world? How does that affect my business? How does that affect sales in the market? What are people talking about? Um, so again, always observing and learning. And there's tons, obviously, there's tons of stuff on the internet. You can go read about market data and you can go read analytics and you can go take Excel classes on YouTube. All those things are very helpful. But if you don't know the inputs, like I can teach you how to build a spreadsheet, sure. But if you don't know the inputs, then the number that comes out at you doesn't really mean squat. So you got to understand the total impact of what are the inputs into your analysis to understand what do you really have to do to be successful. That's it. basically get out there, know your market. Yeah. It's, it's knowing people, relationships, and getting out there and having and doing those three as one thing. Knowing yeah. people, knowing how it impacts them, knowing what's going on, all of those things. I think some people are like, okay, I'm going to go study the market and then I'm just going to go meet some people and then I'm going to go market myself over here. And it's the, it's the snowball effect of bringing that all together and understanding the question you started at the beginning. You said, how can I help other people make more money? How can I help other people achieve what they want to achieve? Yeah. And going out with that question first. Yeah, that's right. I think it takes a little bit of focus too. Like I get tons of people that call me like, you want to go do deals? In wherever um i don't know about the deals and wherever like i don't i don't understand those that analytics behind that the input behind that what's going on in that market so you know i really try and stay focused on what i know yeah i'd love to go to the bahamas and fish and hang out and have a great time but i can't go build houses there i don't know anything about it and i think a lot of agents kind of are chasing the next bird um and not focusing on being an expert at what you know where you are and what you're doing it's an element of respecting our industry and respecting what we bring to the table and the value it really has to offer. Yeah, totally. I agree. So my next question, see, that was one question that turned into five, but I mean, what <laughs> great advice from you. Thank you. So the next yeah. question is, as, as when it comes to books, I'm assuming you do read. What is, if you had to name one, could you name one? And what would it be is the book that has most impacted your life or career? That we all have to read gosh that's a good question so i do read but i read like cheesy fiction stuff because it's kind of my relief once upon a time in hollywood there's a, I, there's a movie about it too like a, um, i've heard about it yeah i don't remember it though once upon a time in hollywood that's it everybody once upon a time no but keep going yeah but like uh so there's a book called Freakonomics that we read that you know talks a lot about macroeconomics as well as microeconomics and how that affects our world and analytics what we're doing. Um, I think if you're looking for like a broader outlook of how to look at things in the world, that's a great book. There's books like Ninja Selling, which I'm sure most of the brokers agents that are listening to this have probably at least glanced at. Great, you know, technical techniques of how to actually do the business every day. Um, and then there's some great, I don't even know the names, but there's some great marketing books I've read just about, you know, self-branding and um, creating a brand and creating so there's a not one. There's not one. And I won't lie, like, I don't love to read. You know, I'm a numbers analytics. I would yeah. go down to building spreadsheets versus reading. Um, so, 
And that's probably something I could work on more, read more, but it's tough to have a lot of time to read. I got two little babies at home too. So my reading time is baby mm-hmm. time. Or exactly. I used to just play my favorite. You, I don't know if you know, we know you probably do know. It was never split the difference. Chris Voss. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I haven't, that. I listened to it. Yeah. I love that. I would listen to that. If I had to make a difficult phone call, I would like hit because I, I got through it eight times in 15 minute increments driving to properties and between calls. Yeah. And if I had a difficult, I'd like hit play. And it would always give me like whatever, even that frame of mind to take myself out of the deal, get the perspective and get on the call and make it happen in like three to seconds instead of, you know, a week of drama. So I think listening to books is probably smart. I need to do more of that. I drive in silence when I'm on the phone because I'm always on the phone, but. Like See, there's something good about that. A little silence is good too. Yeah. For sure. Absolutely. So I'm going to add one more question and then I'm going to ask you the final question. So in that, what you just said, like what you do, what do you find? Because we talked a lot about discipline equals freedom. There's this creative element of you that gets to be expressed because of your, the other element of you that's very disciplined and regimented so that you can be creative and kind of freely live the life that you choose to live. What does your day look like and what are the habits that you live by that have like your day-to-day moment habits that have created this bigger picture for you? That's so beautiful. Yeah. Awesome. There's parts of my day that are segmented and focused on families. So like I wake my kids up every morning. Um, I get them out of bed every morning. I make their waffles and take them to school. And then at night I put them to bed every night. So those kind of are the bookends of my day that I try and make sure I focus on all the time. Um, but then some things that I do every day to make sure that I'm accomplishing what I need to accomplish is like, I always go to the office, never work at home for me. I can't work at home. I, I can't be successful working at home. Um, so that's something I do every day. I try and schedule other parts of the day. For instance, you know, I'm focused two mil, uh, two, two meals, two hours. Um, I don't need two meals. I should eat two I focus two hours of being on my computer, answering emails, but try not to go way over that because it's very easy to get bogged down in the task of the day versus accomplishing whatever else I'm doing. Um, and then I'm trying to have lunch with somebody almost every day, whether it's a friend, a client, uh, somebody new to the community, but it's a great opportunity to connect with people, figure out what's going on in, in everybody's life. You know, I, I love my friends. I have a really good set of friends, but as a successful top agent, it's really easy to never see your friends. Um, and that's something that's really important to me not to happen. Uh, so I really try and spend time every day, focus on my family and my friends, and then build my business in around that. Uh, you know, they're always obviously there for our clients um, and be available for them pretty much any time where we can be flexible enough to jump into those things that they need us for as well as for the agents. You know, I probably spend at least an hour or two every day, which is why it's important to be in the office working with an agent on whatever they need help with, whether they're a new agent that needs to learn the basic 101 or there are top agents that are trying to put a development deal together and we're looking at how we can raise capital to, to bring it all together. You know, so try and be in the office for them as well as for myself. Wow, and you fit all that in. Somehow, yeah. It's amazing. And I love fish and, hang out and watch basketball and football and get Auburn and all those good things. I love like listen to you. What I hear is you, 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 ha- you know what your priorities are, you know, your yeah. children and creating inventory in business, you create inventory and in life it's your children and then your friends. Yeah. And then in everything you do, you bring it all together and everything feeds, everything feeds towards the one thing. Yeah. It's not always pretty. Sometimes it's messy, but always working towards it. 
right, exactly. Yeah. Just yeah. keep working towards it, right? right? Like, just don't don't stop. Like, remember what's important and okay, keep yeah. going for it. Yeah. So, last and question. Multitask. That's the biggest thing. Multitask. Multitask. That's obviously. When I, thought, when I thought there was no such thing as multitasking, like there's all these things about you can't multitask, but do multitask. So which one, so tell me which one is it? You definitely have to multitask. You're either so multitasking you, or you're procrastinating. So you, and if you're procrastinating, you're definitely not doing it. So you have to multitask. Uh, if you if you want to create the successes that we've been able, Hillary and I have been able to create, if you can't multitask, you can't accomplish everything you have to accomplish in a single day. It's impossible. So everybody listening is half people are asking us that we do have about five more minutes just or even or really 15 if you do. So one more question on that. Okay, good. So, so or like 10. Is that good? Because it don't end up being 10. And we have. Okay, so what when you so what is like, how do you multitask? And what does that mean to you? I mean, so for me, it's being present in everything I'm doing at one time, if that's possible, right? It's, it's, it's a unique ability. I think I've learned, my wife might not agree with you, but I feel like I've learned how to do it. Um, but I mean, I think it's just being present, being available and, you know, I don't really know exactly how it works, but it works. And, you know, I don't care what time it is of night and day, I'm never going to tell a client, a friend, my kids, my wife that I'm not available. I'm available for everybody all the time. Um, and whether that means you're eating dinner with your wife and, hey, can I have three minutes to go step outside and call this person? Uh, and it's surrounding yourself with people that support your success. So my friends understand what I'm trying to accomplish. My family is part of what I'm accomplishing. My clients and my agents here know what we're doing. So, you know, they all are part of it and they're all there's nobody fighting me when I have to multitask. They're all her. They are on the on the train. They're they're moving along with us. They're excited for us. They're part of the success, you know. So I think being surrounded with the right family, friends, clients, agents has been made it possible to multitask. Probably. I love every. I mean, everything you just said, Recon, my editor. Like we're gonna do a replay on that. <laughs> and here's why: being like. And being someone who's been actively a real estate agent in luxury, I don't think yeah. there's, maybe there's a few that have done this, but throughout the last five years, I've interviewed 250 agents nationally ranked, most of them selling over hundred million. And the one common denominator, whether they say it or not, is what you just said. And on the yeah. rare occasion, they didn't get released, but there have been agents in interviews or discussions. And I mean this just being candid about truth, not about judgment and criticism, but there's a lot out there that I've heard about, well, you just can't be available at this time. Or you just have to tell people if you, you know, I'm just not gonna, when you start telling your clients what you're not gonna do, you start setting yourself, you just set your competition up for success, number one. And number two, you're talking about, look at what we get paid. I say we, as I've forgotten everybody, I'm now coaching, not selling. I do focus on this podcast. But if, when you look at when you look at what it is, yes, we are people. We have to respect who we are and take care of ourselves. But when it comes to what we do, every successful real estate agent, just to what you said, has figured out their personal formula for you really integrate your life in many yeah. ways into it and find that support and find that perspective of positivity because serving our clients, serving your clients, like 
that's that's where you get success. How do you do that? And that's your focus. I love that in this conversation is every time we have a conversation, a question, it shifts back to how you work with people. You never lose your priority of your family, yeah. but how how your business is a part of that and how you make it a part of that. I just that's thank you. There's got to yeah. be a uh, end goal too, right? Like I tell my wife and my friends know it, it's a phase. Um, there's yeah. going to be a point in my life where like you've chosen to not be doing this 24 seven all the time, but you can't be tip. You can't have your toe in the water. If you want to be successful, um, you're either all in, but you don't have to be in the pool the whole time. You know, like have an end goal. That's been for my family. As we discussed, you know, there's a goal for what we're building and what we're doing. And we're creating a lifestyle and a legacy for our family and our friends and our kids. Um, and it's worth there are sacrifices in multitasking and doing what we do, but if you have an end goal in mind and anything worth it, it has to have a sacrifice. It has to have some give. Um, so, you know, that's always, obviously our, that's our focus and how do we get there is what we focus on in between. I love that. Thank you. I mean, you really gave us like, this is what it's like. This is how I do it, but in a way that is positive and how you keep the momentum and the traction yeah. in your business. Yeah. So now the last question, if All there right. is one thing from this whole conversation, I and everybody listening forgets everything you say or but one, what would you hope we take away and remember from this conversation? Well, I think we talked about it so much, but I think the number one thing in, in this whole business and success and what we're doing is who you surround yourself with, your family, your friends, your clients, your investors, your coaches, your agents, your team, who you surround yourself with, creates your personality, creates your work effort, creates your expertise, creates your knowledge. So, I mean, that's the one thing that I think makes me happy, makes me successful, makes me a better leader, is that I'm focused on building uh, people around me that build and understand what we're trying to do, um, who I am, why I do what I do, uh, and it's ultimately created fantastic relationships, a ton of successes for me, my clients, my agents, my friends, um, and again, a legacy that will go well beyond my career and what I'm doing here on Earth. That's awesome. Thank yeah. you, Jacob. Yeah. Everybody, it's Jacob on the, it, what do I, what do I call this? We, like, is it, should I say 38 Panhandle, Dustin, Panama City? All of yes, the above? Yeah, it depends on what you look for. We're Northwest Florida, but 38 is our primary focus market right now. We have a lot in Destin, Federal City as well, but uh, our office is in Seagrove Beach, so we'd love to see anybody. Well, thank you, Jacob, partner, broker, owner of Corcoran Reverie. Thank you. Good to see yeah, you. Thank you. See you. Thanks for listening to the Jerry Metcalf podcast, where top real estate agents tell how they do it. If you like this episode, please share it with friends. To find more episodes, search Jerry Metcalf Podcast on any platform for podcasts or go to jerrymetcalfpodcast.com. That's J-E-R-E-M-E-T-C-A-L-F podcast.com. Podcast.